Hi, Sarah. Hi, Nathan. It's cold here in Minneapolis. It sure is. But guess what? What? What lifted my spirits and warmed my heart was my son sent me a picture. Well, my wife did of my son. He lost his first tooth. Yay! It's so it's so adorable. He said, "Dad, guess what? No one ever told me that I get a built-in straw holder when I lose my tooth." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I guess that. I guess that's true. He came to that realization himself. Yeah, just like, stick it right in there. I don't even know why he had a straw. No, I assume your son has lost a bunch of teeth, many teeth, because yes. he's nine, eight, almost nine, almost nine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, yeah. But my daughter, who is the same age as Parker, yes, is that right? Is Parker in first grade? He is in first grade. Oh, okay. So she's one year younger. So okay. she's in kindergarten. She that's just, okay. um, she just lost two teeth in really close proximity to each other, which was terrific because the week before she lost that tooth, we went to the dentist and uh-huh. realized that a big kid tooth was coming in <gasps> Underneath? behind oh, dear. those two little teeth on the bottom. And I felt terrible because I hadn't realized it. And she'd never complained about it. Wow. Okay. So it was really a meant to be that she lost those two teeth to make room for that big tooth that was coming. I, I wonder if there's anything hereditary about your teeth. Like my my dad has really bad teeth. Mm. I don't but my mom has really good teeth mm. none of i think both my parents had braces none of me or my siblings have had braces wow so i wonder how our teeth impact are connected to our family of origin you know there is a connection <laughs> there's gotta I, I, be no i've i've received confirmation of this from really? okay more than one dentist oh good to know mm-hmm. so uh aaron my husband yes he uh has a severe tartar buildup on his bottom teeth, and it's because he over-salvates. He spits a lot? Or I guess not spitting. He he just has more... He drools a lot, maybe. Saliva in his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> uh, and my son has the same thing. Okay. And now my daughter has teeth similar to mine, where like, mm. I had, I've never had a cavity. Now, I've always been very diligent and disciplined in the care of my As teeth. I have, no, I've had one cavity. But anyway, good job. Um, well, that tends to happen apparently as you get older, no matter how hard you try, because you get sal over over salivation. No, <laughs> is that what it is? Maybe that does happen too. Great. Uh, anyway, Sarah, I didn't ask you here today to talk about our children's teeth or salivating, but I don't know if you picked up on my perhaps not so subtle tie-in with with what we're talking about, but uh, we're re-releasing some of our previous podcasts, some of our favorites, if you will, because in 11 days uh, from this recording, I'm getting my tonsils out. (gasps) Right? What 40-year-old gets their tonsils out? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Apparently, Apparently, when you have strep throat six times in a year... It's not good. So anyway, I have to get my tonsils taken out, which is kind of, uh, I'm terrified to be honest with you, but we're not going to let the podcast lag. So we're re-recording as we did last year. We're re-releasing some of our favorites from the past year or two, and we're re-recording some of these intros ahead of time. And actually I recorded a bunch, uh, we've recorded a bunch, so there shouldn't be any noticeable lag time by the time my, my voice comes back to me. So, Sarah, what is the episode today that you would like you liked so much that you'd like to reshare it with the world? Yes, yes. Uh, it is not one of my own, but one of my favorite podcast episodes is episode 35, uh, Applying Strengths to Family of Origin. Ooh, that's a good one. I think that's from maybe season one, so many people probably haven't heard it. Why don't you just, what are a couple things that you really like about that one? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. And I, I really enjoy the opportunity to listen to it again. And, you know, it's it's that time of year right now when we're recording this uh, where we're coming up on the holidays. And so I think um, being especially attuned to a lot of upcoming family time yes, and, you yes, know, how yes, do we yes, make yes. the most of this as you navigate all those family dynamics, this one especially stuck out to me. So I especially appreciate this episode because it emphasizes what I believe differentiates leadership visions approach to the interpretation and application of Clifton Strengths. Beginning to connect your results to your life's experiences brings them to life in ways that allow you and others to further understand and contextualize what makes you truly unique. Is there anything in particular you would like us to pay attention to, to, I don't know, reflect on more as you have now listened to it a couple times with maybe a new lens in front of it? Yes. As you listen to this episode today, perhaps for the second time, think about who from your family of origin has especially shaped who you are today and consider which of your strengths you'd attribute to them having shaped in your life. Then perhaps begin to think about the shaping influence you're currently having or could have on the future generations of your family. Who or what might you help foster in those you deeply care for? Please listen to this episode today and then stick around because after, Sarah and I are going to share just a couple of very brief reflections on our life. So listen now. People use strengths as one of many tools for self-understanding, personal growth, and professional development. Any journey to self-understanding needs to remember the beginnings. Integrating where we come from, our family of origin, this can shed light on the pathway to our self-understanding. You are listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, where we share our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. My name is Nathan Freeberg, and I'm excited today to talk with Brian Schubring, the CEO of Leadership Vision. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Freeberg? Fantastic. It's good to be back here at Coco in downtown Minneapolis, and it's also good to talk about this topic today, and that is strengths and family of origin. Like what you said about the importance of understanding where you've come to have a better understanding of where you're at today and then to move forward, I think is so important and also very difficult. It is very important, and it's it's not really as difficult as one might think because sure? we just have so much information from our families of origin, not just our family, but you know who our parents were, where they came from, the neighborhoods that we grew up in, whether we were in a town or a city or even a different country. All of those influences have contributing factors or contributing elements of how we've been shaped and formed as a, a human being and the way that we think and form relationships. I do believe that in this process of understanding not just our strengths as they pertain to here and now, but then to ask this question of where did that come from to help us broaden the examples that we have of each of these strengths. Sometimes when we think about where we come from, it's fun for us to then realize how much we have grown from like simple, straightforward examples of a developing strength into a broadly applicable strength now that we use in a variety of contexts. Whenever we talk to people, we are always 
at some point going to ask them questions about where they come from. Where did you grow up? What type of neighborhood were you part of? What was your family dynamic like? Because it's in answering those questions that we begin to get the first glimpses of the origins of strengths. For us to ever understand the direction that we're headed with the understanding of our strengths is important to remind ourselves of our beginnings. Every direction has a root system that's firmly planted within our beginnings. So today in the podcast, we're going to be talking about how to take that origin story and frame it in a way that puts it in its rightful place. We're going to talk about five steps, if you will, five F words that will help us really acknowledge the role that it's played in our lives. And we're going to share some tips for giving it that appropriate place in our current life. So Brian, I'm going to give some foreshadowing here. The five F words are fight, forgive, frame, fuel, and future. If you could sort of give one big umbrella statement about these words, what are they? Each of these words indicates some action that I would ask each one of us to do in reflecting on how have our strengths begun and evolved from our families of origin. And I think one thing to acknowledge here is that people could be coming to this conversation with all kinds of baggage and background and history. Maybe that origin story is very healthy and very joyful. For other people, it is not. But I think the bottom line here is that we can't ignore it. We can't run from it. But really today, what we're going to do is talk about how do you take that and frame it in such a way that can help you move forward to a stronger place of understanding your strengths. We are reminded almost weekly of how a person's story of their family, whether it's happy and pleasant or whether it's been extreme and it's hard to believe where someone's come from, regardless of where you fall on that continuum, those are the elements that have shaped who you are today, that has shaped your sensitivities, it's shaped your endurance, it's it's shaped your resilience. And for us to then ask questions of what was that like and how did you feel and, and, and what happened after that significant event in your life is going to give us a clear indication of what some of those fallback positions are. Some of those behaviors that are so close to you that were formed so early that maybe you don't recognize that how unique or strong they are. And conversely, there are some stories and, and experiences in people's lives that, that simply need to be looked at once again to understand that Maybe it's, it is time to forgive or it is time to let go because that sense of freedom that can come just in that act can release in you a different level of potential that you may never have imagined. But it all comes back to one thing, that's starting to ask the question, where did these strengths come from and how has my family shaped the evolution of my strengths? And recently we did a podcast about some of our earliest strengths memories. And so this isn't necessarily a second part of that. But I think it's a good compliment to that podcast and that one we just reflected on, you know, when were some of the first signs and memories that we had relating to when did we see some behaviors and what we now know our strengths kind of show up. So let's dive into this, Brian. I started thinking about the importance of 
reflecting on how our family has shaped us just recently because our family has had the unfortunate experience of being displaced from our home for almost four months. And so we had to move back in. And in the process of moving back in, there were three consecutive days where my father and my mother were in our home helping us unpack boxes, helping us put things on shelves, fixing things that we needed to fix and putting things back in place. And it was during those three days of working side by side with my father in particular that I really began to be reminded of two things. One, how similar we are and how we think and get things done. There's that, that, that unspoken shorthand of working together. And I was also reminded of the dissimilarities of how I tend to overthink and make things super complicated and how my dad has this unique and beautiful ability to break things down into steps. And I just had this like warming sensation of just the reminder that my father has had such a shaping influence on how it is that I have grown as an individual, but there are also things about him which are so dissimilar and even foreign, even as my father. And I was reminded of that as we have worked together putting things up or tightening some bolts and screws on things, moving things up into the attic. It was in that process that I was re reminded that despite the humble beginnings of who I was as a child to where I am now, my father and my family has had a significant shaping influence on who I am today. It should come as no surprise, but it's helpful to be reminded of how did I get here. Absolutely. So today as we talk about kind of the, the steps from going from maybe that first reflection into a place of really understanding and applying that story of origin, we've got these five F words. So let's just jump in with the first one, that's fight. You talk about this, uh, admitting that you may still be fighting something. I have a pretty good idea what you're talking about here, but talk well, but more about this. I'm curious to hear what that is for you, <laughs> because here's what I'm thinking. I think that when it comes to family, uh, two of the things that we typically hear about is how much fun a family has and how much a family fights. But it's not just like the intergenerational or sibling rivalries that I'm speaking about. It's like fighting the identity that we are part of this family, not just biologically, but socially part of the dynamic that that family has given us. And that's what I'm saying you know what, we could still be fighting that. Um, there are many elements of how I grew up that I, I could be fighting. We grew up in a working class neighborhood, a mix of blue collar, white collar. It was lower middle class. Why fight it? But I could be fighting that, or I, I, I could be fighting some of the family dynamics, but it's just part of who I was growing up. So what I'm saying is sometimes we really have a sense of dissonance to how we've been raised and we still as adults may be fighting that and in order for us to get through that i think it's just it's just human nature to say you know what i'm just struggling with it so is that really all it is is just admitting hey i'm fighting this for me it would be i think some of the religious background that maybe my family came from and fighting and admitting oh yeah that's a thing there's some baggage connected to that is that really all you're talking about here in this first step yep i'm just recognizing that sometimes there is an unnecessary tension or an unnecessary rising of conflict that we tend to always bring up because we're fighting against how we've been raised. Well, guess what? That's past. It is a past that we cannot change, but it is a past that we can truly integrate. And what I'm asking us to do is to not continue to fight it because there could be something within that specific dynamic that is the key for you to unlock something that's going to really set you free. So are you asking us to stop fighting then? Because for some people, that could be a really big hurt or a pain or a, I don't know, it might not be just that easy as stop fighting. 
I would totally agree with that because I have listened to many people explain the situation that they were raised in and there is nothing that they can do to change that. And there's been enduring psychological, behavioral, and emotional damage uh, that is never going to go away. So I'm, I'm not saying don't fight and don't lean up against that. But what I am saying is recognize it for what it is, truly admitting that there are some circumstances that are going to have somewhat of a grip on your life for your entire life. I think number one, fight is just very, very closely connected to number two is forgive. So step number one is just admitting you might be fighting something, which we've just done. What does forgiveness look like? And are you talking about sort of that TV moment of forgiveness where you confront this person that you've been fighting all these years and have this profound, I don't know, moment of forgiveness? Or is it something simpler than that? Well, the reason why forgive made it on this list of five words is because in a recent one-to-one conversation, um, I was talking to a woman who literally had to forgive her father for something, and her father has since passed away. But it was this mental, emotional practice of saying, I forgive you, the recognition that my parent was doing the best that he could in that situation. And in that moment of expressing forgiveness, there is the letting go. And I also think that there's a practical side to it as well of, of asking for forgiveness, admitting that you've done all wrong, seeking out someone's pardon, Um, in a way of speaking that can give you a sense of freedom because a lot of times those those grudges or those conflicts that we haven't forgiven or haven't made peace with whatever word you want to choose to use they are still working to confine us and, and and hold us back and I believe that forgiveness the act of saying I'm sorry the act of asking for someone to forgive is part of the process of letting go. And in that process of letting go, there is something that we anticipate is going to come next out of that. Well, and I think this one too, you could, you could say it's a very selfish thing that you are forgiving someone for something that may have, they have done so you can move forward so that you can become more fully who you, you were created to be and not have to hang on to that stuff and keep letting those negative ideas, that picture of yourself, that tape that I think gets stuck playing in our head, continue to drag us down or say, you must fit in this box, you must conform to these certain standards. We'll be right back. At Leadership Vision Consulting, we have spent 23 years helping individuals explore the depth and dimension of their personal strengths and have helped hundreds of teams build positive culture. We're excited to now announce our new online membership platform, that brings together the resources, community, and motivation that you need to grow your influence and build a positive team culture. Through our courses, workshops, live Q&A sessions, and more, you'll gain the skills and confidence you need to lead effectively. And with our supportive community of like-valued leaders, you'll never feel like you're doing it alone. Visit leadershipvisionconsulting.com slash community to learn more. Forgive is a concept that is an act and an ask. An act of saying, I forgive you, and an ask of, will you forgive me? There's something in the process of asking for forgiveness that is an equalizer, is a level set, is an opportunity for something to start again. That process may be years and years long, or it's something that could be momentary. But sometimes I believe that in the process of seeking out an opportunity to forgive, 
there is the peeling back of layers that have kept us from understanding really what the dynamic of the relationship was, how it has affected us, and how we may still be in turn repeating that negative behavior on people that are around us. When we talk about forgiving within someone's family of origin, we are talking about things that probably have been there, conflicts that have been around for years and years and years. That type of negativity and emotional weight on people has a distinct and measurable impact on how they engage the world around them and how they are, are forming relationships with people around them. That's why I think it's, it's important for us to recognize that there may just be some unresolved conflict that just simply needs to be forgiven so that we can experience that freedom and be more willing to do the same thing with those that are nearer to us in our day-to-day lives. Absolutely. And I think we could get really deep on this one point. But I want to move us to the third one, and that is the idea of frame, properly framing your family experience. You talk about this idea of, you know, not thinking of it as like a picture frame, but more something like the framing of a house. Could you explain that a little bit more? I think this is really important because I think it's important to understand what framing actually means. There are two types of framing. When you have, when you think of a picture frame, you typically have four distinct sides. Those sides contain an image that one is supposed to look at. Many people consider the composition of a frame as part of the composition of the art around which it is surrounding. And it, it keeps the eye focused in on what the art actually is. And that, I believe, is somewhat limiting. And people can often frame their experience from their family that keeps them focused on who they were as a child and does not give them the opportunity to lead into and lean into being an adult. The idea of framework that I'm asking is the idea of a frame of a house. A frame of a house is simply a structure, a structure upon which we can add or expand or build into designing something that we can work with, so that we can live within it, live around it, live outside of it. But it's a framework that is permeable. You can go in, you can go out. There are doors, there are windows. It's a place that can breathe. That's what I'm talking about. We just had some work done on our house where we added a bedroom and I was very involved in the framing process. And what I like about this analogy, metaphor, whatever you want to call it, is that you don't see the framing. The framing is gone now because it's all covered with this other stuff. But knowing that that framing is solid, is strong, is able to carry the weight of whatever we add on top of it, I think it's important. And when we think about this conversation, that if you, if you know or think that your framing isn't strong in that way, maybe that's where some of those first two steps is to go back, fight, forgive, and then you'll be able to kind of strengthen that frame um, after the fact in some ways. Right. We recognize what is that that we're fighting. We put ourselves in the place of forgiving so that we can accurately frame up the experience for us to live within, among, and surrounding that particular experience of our life. Sometimes I'm recognizing that people are fighting something, they're unwilling to forgive and be on that level state with someone else, and then you're framed in like a picture frame. And then the person is stuck in some way, they have other resulting complications and other relationships, and what I'm asking is let's just break apart that that frame and rebuild the memory of that experience as a framework like you would have established within a house. The fourth one here is fuel. Fuel the good and starve the bad. And I think this one really connects us to strengths, really brings us to what does it mean to acknowledge your family of origin as you think about your strengths. So Brian, how do you feed the good? How do you starve the bad? 
How do you, what does this have to do with your family of origin? I also think that once you've created that, that framework, then you have a choice of how it is that you're going to build that out. And sometimes I believe that people have a need to fuel the experiences of their childhood, whether they're negative or positive. Have you ever had that chance to kind of like relive that memory from childhood over and over again? It could be like that game that was played or that one thing that happened with one of your siblings or that family vacation and you relive it because it was a great memory. And every time you tell the story, you add some more fuel to it. Like you add a different layer of the story or it sparks a different kind of memory. It's like, oh yeah, we had a flat tire too. Remember that one time we had to sleep overnight in the rest stop? And you're fueling the memory because it makes you feel great. And it's part of what makes your family dynamic. The opposite is also true. We've met many people that continue to fuel the negativity of what happened instead of moving away from it, they're actually giving more negative, more negative, more negative, and it further cements them into what has happened negatively and does not give us a chance to either let that go or move on from that. Of course, I recognize that there are certain situations that you cannot change, that they, they have in a very tangible way cemented you developmentally for whatever reason. I fully recognize that. What I'm also asking is that we steward the memories as well. Recently, my wife and I, Linda, were at a greenhouse and we're buying some plants for our, our home. And we were talking to one of the people that was there about, you know, how do you grow these plants? And Linda had a very specific vision of how large she wanted to grow this one plant. And the person who was helping us kind of like had a grin on her face and she said, well, if you want to grow big, you put it in a big pot. And I thought to myself, you know what? How many family experiences have I had that are negative that I've put in a big pot and I've fertilized it and it's grown bigger than what I really wanted to. It's taken on a life of its own. And realizing at that moment that I have control of that. I can contain the growth of something that needs to be forgiven or something that needs to be passed over or reframed. I have more control over that than what I think. The fifth one here, future, is applying your experience of family to your future. When it comes to future, whether we like it or not, our family of origin really has kind of set the direction or kind of set the original pathway from which we're going to live out our future. And so part of my reason for bringing up this idea of future is that we can't run too far from our, our family of origin. That's always going to be there. It's not if we can break away from that. It's how are we going to build a future from that. There are many people that have you know, recently done DNA testing to find out like where they actually come from. And they've, you know, done some um, maybe different or multiple DNA uh, testings on them to see which is valid and what's really consistent. Um, but you know what? You get that DNA testing done, you find out what the results are. Can you change it? You certainly cannot. It's not, can I change that? It's how am I going to represent that? How am I going to live into that past today and down the road? And that's what I'm, what I'm asking here. Recognize where you came from. Recognize who your mother is. Recognize who your father is. Recognize that they have a critical part in setting the, the, the direction to how you form relationships and, and how you build things up within your family, the things that you value and believe in, and realize that that is part of your future. Well, and I think, too, with this fifth one here about future is that you're suggesting that we 
you know, the first four steps here, it's not ignoring, it's not saying, okay, this thing happened to me and I'm going to ignore it, but it's saying, well, how do I take the good? How do I find the good in all of that? If there is anything and how do I apply that? How do I focus on the good things that I want to become the good ways that I want my strengths to engage the, the good ways or good things I want to pass on to my kids or my teammates or whatever that might be. And the reason I like this as the fifth step is because it doesn't say that we are who we are. We can't change that. It says, yeah, acknowledge that and then apply it forward to say, well, how do I want to be different? Yep. And the beautiful thing about the, this last one future is it is in your control. This is something that you can shape. If we've done the work where we've recognized what we're fighting against, if we've done the work to ask for forgiveness or to forgive, and then we've kind of turned that corner and begin, and we begin to frame out a home, a home for our future to dwell in, now we can begin to feel that this is all our work. It's all our artistry. We have control over how we're going to do that. Remember those stories I was mentioning earlier that some of those one-to-one conversations where you hear those just tragic upbringings? Well, well, guess what? People make a life from that. They they raise their kids in a way that, that builds upon some of the mistakes that were made. They are finding places to live that reflect what they truly need, no matter what their experience was. Some people go back home. Some people move as far away as they can. But human beings are struggling for health. They're struggling for well-being. They're struggling to make sense. And this is a future that our hands are all over or whoever else we're living with, people that are partnering in our lives, people who are partnering and raising our children. All of this has a great degree of freedom and opportunity to it that we have the ability to create a future that is ours. I'm not just interested in talking about this, but passionate about this is because both of my parents are alive and both of Linda's parents are alive. And one of the, the unique characteristics that Linda brings is this appreciation for the generations. And Linda has a way of identifying what what mom brings, what dad brings, and, and how they've influenced your life. And she has a way of not just noticing it, but recognizing it and using it as a backdrop to frame everything else that we do. And because of Linda's influence on my family and how Linda has been influenced by her family, it has raised my awareness again and again, week after week, to how much my parents have shaped who I am today. Similarly, and in great difference and how we can accept that. And so I have found a new peace with that. I have watched my wife, Linda, find a new peace and resonance with how she's been raised. And together we have said to ourselves, we have the opportunity to repeat the great parts, to learn the lesson from the struggle parts. And it's a way that we can raise our daughter now and how we can influence her friends. And through Linda's continuous improvement on our understanding of where we came from, we are having influence on the generations to come. And, and that's why I show up here today saying, let's just do the, the work of just reflecting on how it is that we've been brought up and recognize that, yeah, it's not always rosy. And yeah, we don't have it all figured out. We may not have some of the answers ever figured out. However, we were raised by people who loved us and who cared for us. And we have an opportunity and even a responsibility to continue in that journey.
by way of recapping the conversation here, I would encourage you, the listener, to do this very simple activity. Grab some paper, grab a notebook, grab whatever you want to do to jot this down. But start by just thinking of the, what are the areas that you need to admit that you might still be fighting? What are the family of origin issues or other things that you find yourself continually fighting against and just write it down. Second, make a list of who are the people that you might need to forgive. There might be someone there that you need to ask forgiveness or that you need to forgive. And perhaps maybe even the activity of just writing that down that allows you some ability to let go. Third, just frame this in its context. Like what role did that person, that situation have in your life and how do you frame it into the greater narrative of your life? And then fourth, fuel feel the good starve the bad so maybe think of those negative stories that you have and stop thinking about them (laughs) try to remember try to think about the positive things and build upon that because I think some of those things will give you an indication into who you are into your strengths into how those things came about fifth and finally apply these lessons to your future take these items that you've reflected on and think of how do you want to apply this to your future to your family to your career, to your social circles, whatever it is, how do you take the things that you know of yourself, your strengths, things that you're really good at and apply them in ways that maybe you haven't before because you've been held back or held down by this negative image of your family. And you know what? Some of us have awesome images of our family. There's maybe nothing that's negative. You can just rack your brain like, I had a really great childhood. And you know what? If that's your situation, that's awesome. Use that as a way to fuel more of the good and inform more of your future and how you want to be. Brian, thank you for sharing the story of your dad with us and these five steps to understanding more of our story of origin that can inform our future strengths. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I understand that this may be a more personal approach to applying your strengths, and it may take a little bit more um, effort to answer some of these questions and wrestle through some of the challenges that result from asking yourself the question. But from firsthand experience, I would just invite you to engage this process or bits and pieces of it and just see what happens. Such a great episode, right? Oh, it's amazing. What is there anything that, again, as we've re-listened to it, and I've listened to it like a hundred times since I edited edited it, I always have trouble saying that. Is there anything that stuck out to you? Like personally, let's let's go deep. Let's get vulnerable here for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do find myself reflecting often on my family of origin um, uh, b- from both my mom and my dad's side. And I think, you know, there are some values that transcend generations. My dad came from a line of farmers. And, you know, my husband likes to joke all the time that I have this farmer blood mm. flowing through my body, yeah. which if you saw me on a daily basis, you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> assume. But this tenacity and determination for hard work and and I think somewhat a, a self-worth coming from the level of accomplishment and productivity that is the result of every single day. That definitely is the heartbeat of who I am. And in fact, a couple weeks ago, my son used a, a word to describe his grandmother that I thought was very complimentary. It was lovely. And I said, oh, well, I'm, now I'm curious. What, <laughs> what is a word that you would use to describe mom? And he said, hardworking. And it was a tremendous compliment. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that is absolutely mm. a reflection of my family of origin. That's interesting, and I didn't—I don't think knew that about you with the farmer, the farmer stuff. I thought you were going to say you 
slightly always smelled like diesel fuel. I mean, that's <laughs> because my, so my, my mom grew up on a farm. My grandfather was a farmer his entire life, his father before him. And so that like hardworking nature runs so deep. Mm-hmm. But what's, what's interesting is I'm uh, kind of reflecting on a whole bunch of stuff that I won't get into, but that idea of hardworking looks so different I think mm. for me and my job, as I think about this computer that I'm touching right now, hard working involves me sitting in one place with my hands mm-hmm. typing and clicking, not out in the field with hay bales and, you know, bringing milk in the cows, getting up at 3 a.m. and doing that whole thing. And yeah. so to your second part, uh, the thing that you shared before we listened to it about like the influence you're having on future generations, mm-hmm. obviously your kids. And so you think about what does hard working look like now mm-hmm. and what will it look like in the future as we get even further away from some of the, you know, farm style of hard mm-hmm. work. So yeah, that's really interesting. Sarah. So, so interesting. Well, yeah. thank you. Uh, thank you so much for sharing yeah, this. Pleasure. Pleasure. And, you know, I hope the next time that we are connecting on the podcast, you have the same voice. I do too. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> well, uh, when are we going to be back with new episodes, Sarah? We are going to be back on January 13th, That's 2020. Right. 2020. It's a new decade. <gasps> Have you crazy. thought about that? Oh, for sure. That's I, That hadn't really occurred to me. It used to be, I remember growing up, you know, 1990 and 2000 specifically were like huge turning points. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see what happens here. In, yeah. In, maybe, in maybe the world war will end. <laughs> Like they Let's, thought it would before. Back in 2000. Probably not. When everybody bought, bought generators. So we'll all awesome. be here. We'll, all be well thank here. you, Sarah. Yeah. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, where we share our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. If you found value from this episode, we'd appreciate it if you would subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and a host of others. Please share this podcast and our other resources with anyone you think would benefit from going deeper into our strengths-based approach to individual, team, and organizational development. I'm Nathan Freeberg, and on behalf of our entire team, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.